Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Anime Nostalgia Podcast. As always, I am your host, Dawn, and today I am back with another short review episode. For those of you who might be newer to the podcast, a review episode is just my extremely fancy name for a podcast episode that I record myself where I go back and revisit an older anime title I haven't seen in years, take some notes on what I might remember about it, and then go rewatch it to see if I still feel the same way about it as I did back in the day since, you know, as we get older, sometimes our tastes change or we pick up on things we didn't notice before. You know, all that good stuff. Simple, right? Anyway, I usually run my podcast on a schedule where I'll do two longer episodes with a guest where we go in-depth on something and then one of these short review episodes to give myself a little bit of a break. So if this kind of episode isn't your favorite type, don't worry. This isn't how every episode of the podcast goes. The next episode, I'll be back with another longer episode with a special guest. So please look forward to it. Now that that's out of the way, let's get on with the show. I'm not sure what made me first think of revisiting this 80s OVA for this month's episode. It might be the anticipation of waiting for Discotech's upcoming Project ACO Blu-ray. Or it could be the random conversations that I saw recently on Twitter about what some rare anime releases over the years have been. Maybe it was a combination of both. Either way, I thought it might be fun to revisit an obscure little 80s OVA for this month called Kenritsu Chikyu Boegun, better known in English as Prefectural Earth Defense Force. This was a title that I had only seen once before, and it was years ago. So long ago that I have a hard time remembering if it was at an anime club showing, or if it was at a viewing room at a convention I went to, or even some comic book convention random anime showing. Either way, I remember somebody telling me that it was a real treat because this specific OVA was apparently very hard to track down back in the day. One of those, you had to know a guy to get a copy of kind of titles. And when you finally did, it was most likely going to be a fourth or fifth generation copy of a copy of a copy, if not older, because of how hard they had to look to get it. That alone made me interested in it, as well as the premise of it being supposedly, quote, hands down one of the funniest anime ever made. So of course I needed to watch it for myself after learning all that. It sounded great, right? And from what I remember, I did indeed enjoy it. It had a lot of things an anime fan of the time would want from a comedy OVA. Lots of slapstick, some fun music, some cute character designs, and best of all, it was short and self-contained. No TV series you had to watch beforehand, no cliffhanger endings, and clocking in at not even a full hour, It was a quick and easy watch, which made it perfect material to show to a group of people. I remember talking this one up quite a bit when I was in charge of an anime club, when other people would ask for recommendations for viewing parties or just something fun to watch with a friend. 
So I guess even though I'd only watched it one time, it must have left some sort of strong impression on me. The plot was fairly simple too. An evil alien organization wants to take over the earth and the best way to tackle a large task like that is to start small. So they decide to first take over a small prefecture in the Japanese countryside. But of course, the town has its own guardians who will do their best to protect it, even though their, quote, defense force consists of some teenagers who don't really know what they're doing. Where normally this would follow up with a story of how the group learned to work together and become a serious team to defeat the oncoming alien invaders, instead we get some 80s anime and then wackiness ensues plot for the entire 50 minute run, sectioned off into several short episodes. I remember this one being vaguely reminiscent of Urusei Yatsura in my mind, with a lot of physical comedy and sight gags, as well as referential jokes to sci-fi stuff that nerds of the time would probably get. The only one I can remember, though, is a doctor turning a kid into a cyborg during what was supposed to be a simple surgery just because he really loved the Six Million Dollar Man TV show. I think this joke stuck out to me at the time because when I watched it, I was probably incredibly excited to hear a reference to an American property I knew rather than a Japanese show or pop culture reference that flew over my head. You have to remember this was decades ago, so there wasn't an easy way to really get or see a lot of Japanese media, especially if it was really niche and something that only Japanese nerds were interested in. But honestly, that's about all I can remember. <laughs> this is a title I've been wanting to revisit for a while now because I'm extremely curious to see if I feel like this one holds up to the hysterical laugh riot its reputation had given it for many years among us older fans. The way these past few months have been, I feel like I could use a good laugh. So let's fire it up and see what it's got in this month's rewatch. So the first thing I noticed when I revisited Prefectural Earth Defense Force was that I immediately recognized the opening song SF by Johnny, Lewis, and Char, a group that would later rename to Pink Cloud in the 90s. It made me wonder if the song had also been used in something else I'd seen before, 
since I don't remember it making a huge impression on me back when I first watched this OVA, but somehow hearing it this time sparked a feeling in my brain that I had definitely heard this song somewhere before and had really enjoyed it. If any of you listeners out there might know, I would love to hear about it because now I'm just really curious. But anyway, I might be getting a little ahead of myself. So, Prefectural Earth Defense Force was surprisingly better in some ways than I remembered it, but also slightly disappointing in others. Watching the OVA now, it is way more obvious to me that this was one of those OVAs made specifically for fans of the manga it was based on, and or as an advertisement for the manga, rather than something made to appeal to a broader audience. The premise still holds up pretty well as a story about low-budget heroes made up of folks that nobody wanted. And while a much younger me thought that most of the anime's story setup and gags were just your, quote, stereotypical silly anime things, an older, slightly wiser me can now recognize that this series was playing with a lot of references to very specific things. Some that I still don't know all that much about, but I can at least now vaguely recognize. (laughs) For example, it's pretty clear to me now that the name of the series was at least partially inspired by the Terrestrial Defense Force from Ultraman's Ultra 7 TV series. Even the aforementioned opening music to the OVA is probably heavily inspired by the song Science Fiction Double Feature from the Rocky Horror Picture Show, which I probably didn't notice the first time around simply because I don't think the music was translated in the poorly recorded VHS fan sub I saw back in the day, so I didn't understand any of the lyrics. But this is just the tip of the iceberg. There's references aplenty in this OVA, so much so at times that you might actually have to pause the playback just to catch them all. Hidden impact frames, Background gags and long-winded jokes abound, which is probably one of the reasons why many people compare it to things like Urusei Yatsura. And, not surprisingly, Prefectural Earth Defense Force has a fair amount of staff crossover with Urusei Yatsura as well, though I'll get more into that when I start my deep dive into some of the staff of this OVA. And honestly, I think that's where this OVA really shines. I was constantly impressed at some of the animation cuts by the staff in this one. The animators were really flexing all their creative muscles for it, which makes sense because it's one of those really over-the-top comedies, so plenty of excuses to animate some really wild stuff. Obviously, there's fight scenes, but we also get some really cool Itano Circus-type action with the cyborg fights, since the cyborgs seem to be built with these massive missile storage implants in their chests and are just constantly looking for a reason to fire them off at something. We also have some ridiculous dream sequences, Super Sentai-style hero posing, slapstick pratfalls, gags, and other wacky hijinks really do make this a joy to watch if you're a fan of just really fun and cool-looking old-school paint-and-sell animation. I honestly do wonder if the reason this manga was chosen to adapt into an OVA was 
simply because there were animators just itching to go all out and have fun with a weird little project like this. It wouldn't surprise me at all if that was one of the main reasons this was ever even made, because at times it really does feel like the animation is the thing that got the most focus when this was being made. Although because of this, the plot does kind of take a back seat a lot through this 50-minute romp. While the story sets it up to be about our hapless, much older than they look teenage bargain bin heroes, more often than not, the story in each of these short little episodes will somehow end up centering more around the bad guys of the Telephone Pole Gang. Specifically, the cute and pink-haired Lady Baradagi, who seems to be the face of the series, actually, as you see her the most on the original manga covers, as well as any of the key or promotional art for the anime. This isn't necessarily a bad thing. I'm all for anime, or any media really, that focuses on likable villains, and Baradagi and her cohorts, and army of faceless minions, are charming in that sort of constantly failing, though sometimes failing upwards sort of way. And as the anime progresses, we learn that even the supposed, quote, good guys aren't always that great. Like their math teacher turned team overseer and guardian, Mr. Roberry, who turns out to be a lecherous creep. There's also the character Carmi Santin, who is supposed to be a foreign exchange student from India. He's the guy who gets turned into a missile-hurling cyborg against his will, which leads to some Rainbow Man jokes, something I never understood at first but now know is a reference to the tokusatsu series of the same name that features a hero who traveled to India to train with a yogi sage. <laughs> And if that doesn't seem a bit cringy on its own, Santin then directs his rage into declaring that he now hates all Japanese people, though still begrudgingly agrees to help the defense force. Santin's character is probably one of the aspects of this OVA that aged the worst, as it's pretty obvious that he wasn't handled with much thought and could easily be read as an insensitive caricature. But for a comedy written back in the early 80s, this isn't exactly surprising. Baradagi also has a sinister plan that involves trying to seduce Mr. Roberry under the flimsy disguise of a normal high school student, though part of the joke turns out to be, surprise, she actually is a high school student. But of course, that backfires against her and... Again, isn't exactly an aspect of the story I would say has aged particularly well. While there is a bit of fan service in the fact that Baradagi wears what looks to be her attempt at a sexy nightgown, it's surprisingly tame in comparison to other things that were coming out around the same time at least. But that's not to say that the parts that aged poorly make it a total waste of time. Again, there is so much incredibly niche vintage otaku homages going on, along with the practically non-stop fun animation, that it was still super enjoyable for me to revisit this. The comedy isn't exactly the laugh riot it might have been for me back in the day, but there's still enough silly stuff in there to make me chuckle at times. 
Something I was surprised that I didn't remember was that there's a pretty amazing voice cast in this for just a random 80s OVA that hardly anyone even remembers. The seiyuu I recognized right away was the late Hiromitsuru as Baradagi, which was honestly the perfect choice. This came out the same year as her debut as Bulma in the original Dragon Ball series, so she was still on her way to becoming a big household name. You might have also heard her before as Madoka Ayukawa in Kimigori Orange Road, Ukyo in Ranma 1/2, and Meryl in Trigun. Santin was played by the late great Hirotaka Suzuoki, who you might also recognize as Bright Noah in Mobile Suit Gundam, Tatawaki Kuno in Ranma 1/2, and the original Tenshinhan in Dragon Ball. Suke Kubo is voiced by Tesho Genda, who is much better known as the voice of Umi Bozu in City Hunter, Rei in Urusei Atsura, and as the younger Toguro brother in Yu Yu Hakusho. Narita is played by the iconic Toru Furuya, who is best known as Amuro Rei in the Mobile Suit Gundam franchise, Yamcha in Dragon Ball, Kyosuke Kasuga in Kimigori Orange Road, and countless other well-known characters. He was also in Star of the Giants, which the OVA definitely made fun of at least once, which made me wonder if that was written in on purpose due to his casting, or if it was just a joke pulled from the manga that ended up being a very, very funny coincidence. Akiko's voice was provided by Rika Fukami, who might be instantly recognizable to Sailor Moon fans as the original voice of Sailor Venus, as well as Helen in Victory Gundam and Myung in Macross Plus. Mr. Roberry is played by Hideyuki Tanaka, who you've probably heard before as Terry Man in Kinikuman, Bean Bandit in Riding Bean, and Ray Earth in Magic Knight Ray Earth, as well as many others. Even smaller roles in Prefectural Earth Defense Force had some very impressive names attached to them. Chilithonian was voiced by the legendary Suichi Ikeda, aka Shar Aznable from the Mobile Suit Gundam franchise, and even Secretary Miyuki was voiced by the unmistakable Keiko Han, aka Luna from Sailor Moon. While this OVA was somewhat of a cult favorite for years, it was assumed that it would never get an official release in the U.S. because of its strange nature and ties to a manga that was never translated into English. So imagine my surprise when I found out years later after the fact that back in 2006, ADV actually released this on DVD in the U.S., except that they only sold it online in their web store for a brief period of time before ADV broke up and dissolved into smaller labels such as Sentai Filmworks. This means that the official Prefectural Earth Defense Force DVD is one of the hardest to find anime DVDs out there and the most expensive with online resellers on eBay and Amazon asking for quite a hefty resale price in the rare times you actually see someone trying to sell it.
since this was around the time I'd taken a brief break from anime, I sadly had no idea the release even existed until years later, probably sometime in the 2010s, and by that time it was far too late for me to find a reasonably priced copy. The release is fascinating to me because, finding scans of the DVD cover, ADV proudly printed, Before there was Excel Saga, there was Prefectual Earth Defense Force, on the back of the DVD, directly trying to market this to fans who had bought and enjoyed their widely popular release of Excel Saga in the early 2000s. Which, to be fair, isn't a bad comparison. Both are wacky comedies that really lean in heavily on parody and referential humor. But I have to wonder if the younger Excel Saga-loving crowd was really into the idea of watching a comedy with references that were over 20 years old at that point. The front cover of the DVD also gave the series a sort of Spaceballs look with a tagline that said, A long time ago, when telephone companies ruled the world, along with a blatant Star Wars font proclaiming this DVD to be the, quote, Subtitles Strike Back edition. I'm guessing this was supposed to be a fun, cheeky way to market it as a subtitled-only release, as there was no way they would ever attempt to dub something like this. While this style of marketing was probably perfect for fans in a much older age bracket like myself, who would be amused at this whole Spaceballs, the anime marketing style of release, to a younger fan who was probably more interested in the newest, hottest anime at the time, I assume this made it look even more dated than it already was. There's not much by way of extras either. Under the special features, the only things listed are the translator's notes, which I'm assuming someone would need something like this to get more of the really niche jokes, as well as a commentary track featuring Matt Greenfield, David Williams, and Janice Williams, who were all producers, directors, and scriptwriters at ADV at the time. I'm assuming the commentary was made in an attempt to explain some of the puns and references a little better, and maybe put some context on being a fan back in that era. I'd love to hear what they actually talk about in the commentary, but like I said before, since I was not aware of this release until it was already well out of print, I've never heard it myself. I was also amused to hear that for a brief period of time, this was something that you could also catch on the now-defunct Anime Network, which was a cable channel and video-on-demand service that featured mostly ADV titles that was eventually bought up and replaced with the streaming service High Dive. Now, earlier I mentioned there was a lot of crossover in staff from Urusei Atsura. This OVA was directed by the late Keiji Hayakawa, who was an episode director for a good chunk of Urusei Yatsura TV episodes. He was also an episode director on Future Boy Conan, Sherlock Hound, and did image boards for the Sanrio film A Journey Through Fairyland. The script was written by Kazunori Ito, who not only wrote scripts for over 50 episodes of the Urusei Atsura TV series, but he was also the series' literature manager and story composer, as well as the literary chief for the first Urusei Atsura film. So, when people say this OVA has a strong Urusei Atsura feeling, it's no wonder why. 
Ito was also a script and screenplay writer for a huge chunk of the Pat Labor franchise, Maison Ikoku, and Dirty Pair as well. Character designs and animation direction were done by Katsumi Aoshima, who, not surprisingly, was also a key animator and animation director on various Urusei Atsura anime projects, as well as key animator and animation director for both Dragon Ball and Dragon Ball Z, and a key animator on the Fist of the North Star movie. Other animation directors on this OVA include Masami Shimoda and Tsukasa Abe, who were also Urusei Atsura staff, as well as Norihiro Matsubara, who was an animation director on Dirty Pair and in recent years almost the entirety of the Pokemon franchise. Music for the OVA was handled by the late Kentaro Hanada, who is best known for his work in the original Super Dimensional Fortress Macross TV series and Do You Remember Love film. He also did music for the Barefoot Gen films, Space Adventure Cobra, and Dear Brother. The producer of the OVA is none other than the founder and CEO of Studio Gallup himself, Akio Wakana, who also served as director of photography on three of the Urusei Atsura movies, director of photography on a good chunk of Sherlock Hound, and was a producer for the Akazuken Cha-Cha TV and OAV series. While this OVA's official DVD release is wildly out of print and elusive as of this recording, because of its history as a cult favorite, it's actually not that hard to find digital fan subs of it floating around on the internet. I'm honestly surprised that, given its history and its staff packed with well-known industry veterans, that someone hasn't picked this one back up for a re-release. I could easily see a company like Sentai or Discotech doing a new one, as it would fit perfectly into their catalog of older things, though... Since ADV did once own it, it does make me wonder if it's currently stuck in some sort of licensing limbo right now. Interesting enough, I'm pretty sure that the American ADV DVD release was the only DVD this OVA ever got. I don't think it was even released on DVD in Japan, seeing as I found nothing when I tried to find information on a Japanese DVD release. They got it in various old analog formats, though. It was on VHS, Beta, Laserdisc, and even a VHD release, apparently. But no DVD that I could find. I'd be curious to see if there would be a way to upscale the picture for a standard definition Blu-ray release now, or at the very least a slightly nicer DVD. But... I guess only time will tell if we ever see this one released on physical media ever again. So, would I recommend Prefectural Earth Defense Force? If you're a fan of older anime, I absolutely would. While the story isn't anything particularly groundbreaking, and some parts have aged better than others, it's all in the presentation. The animation is really fun and cool, and there's a ton of nerdy references for older otaku to spot. And overall, it's just one example of what made anime fun to watch in that era. It's a great little time capsule on what was popular with the otaku crowd at the time, and features an amazing staff doing what they do best. 
In the cases of some of the seiyuu, this came out just as many of their careers were really starting to take off. It's amazing to look back on something that was worked on by so many well-known anime industry folks to see how far they've come since this was released, and how much anime has changed since then. I wouldn't necessarily drop this in the lap of a younger fan who was just dipping their toes into anime. The fast-paced comedy and puns you might need translator's notes for probably wouldn't go over with them very well. But if they'd already seen and liked things like Urusei Atsura or Dirty Pear, then I'd say it's probably worth sharing for the similar style and humor. If this kind of OVA is exactly your cup of tea, I'd also recommend Dragon Half and Elf Princess Rain. But if you like your wacky parody anime without fantasy elements and with more of a splash of sci-fi heroes, I'd recommend Project Echo and Shinesman instead. Both are great examples of raucous comedies with lots of otaku in-jokes, but are still highly regarded by fans. And that about wraps it up for this short review episode on Prefectural Earth Defense Force. I appreciate everyone's patience with me getting this episode out this month. If you're listening to this in a timely manner, as some of you know, I'm currently living down south, and the huge blast of winter weather this past week kind of threw off my schedule. I am extremely lucky and grateful that it didn't affect me too seriously, because many folks out there definitely were not as lucky as I was. If you're wondering how you can help with the millions of folks in the south who are currently still struggling without power, heat, or water during this winter blast, one way you can help is to donate to feedingtexas.org, which is currently taking donations to send all over the state to help people in need. And speaking of thanks, many thanks to my sole tipper this month on Kofi, Dan. Thank you so very much for your coffees, Dan. If you want to get a shout out on the next episode of the podcast to be just as cool as my man Dan is, all you have to do is go to my Kofi account and leave me a tip of two or more coffees. I'll leave a link to that in the show notes, which you can see at animenostalgia.blogspot.com, as well as at animenostalgia.tumblr.com, where you can also find other relevant links for this episode, as well as links to past episodes. You can also find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google, pretty much wherever you get your podcasts. Just do a search for the Anime Nostalgia Podcast, and you can usually find it. And while you're there, you could always show my podcast some love by leaving a rating or a review. I always love seeing what people have to say about the podcast. Or if you want to send me your thoughts and comments directly, or you just want to say hi, you can always email me at animenostalgiapodcast at gmail.com. It might take me a little while to get back to you, but I promise that I do read all the email that I get. My amazing theme song music was done by Carobit. You can find out more about him and his music online on his Twitter at Carobit. That's K-E-R-O-B-I-T. As always, I have been your host, Don, and I will see you next time. Stay safe out there. Yeah.